Hi, folks. This is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Today, though, is a special show. <clears throat> It's not your typical uh, episode of TSP. Uh, I had planned today to do a listener call show and then run this show tomorrow, but <clears throat> as I look at uh, what's left of this year and uh, have some really great things going on in my life, I've decided to start my vacation a day early. And that means that TSP will be off the air until January the 1st, 2014, when we will return hitting the ground running in a new year. So today I'm going to run what's become a holiday tradition for the Survival Podcast audience, now going all the way back to 2008. And that means what you're about to hear is an original recording from 2008 when I was still broadcasting from my car. The audio won't be great, but um, somehow it's become a tradition anyway. And this will be the sixth time that this show has aired. And for many members of the audience, it's become a tradition to either listen to it uh, together or to read the transcript of it. We actually have a transcript, and sometimes maybe that makes it more personal than instead of listening to me. Somebody in the family reads the transcript, especially with kids around and family around, to talk about the actual history of Christmas. And I won't say much about that because the original episode did that, and maybe one day I'll re-record it. But I feel much as I do about the Thanksgiving show, that this is kind of like one of those old Charlie Brown cartoons. You really don't want it redone. You want it the way you remember it. Um, and so for now, anyway... You'll hear a drastic drop in audio in just a few moments. Before we go back to that original Christmas special, I want to talk a little bit about this year, because this will be the last time I talk to you this year about what's happened and what's gone on and, and what we're seeing is going forward. Um, first, let's talk a little bit about the show. I, I don't throw out numbers about the show very often, because you know once you get to a certain level, and you're just adding it on and adding it on, it, it almost starts to sound like braggery. But I think that the success of the show is as much the success of the audience as it is uh, my success. And you guys came along for the ride, so every once in a while you look back with your team and say, look what we've accomplished. Uh, the numbers for downloads per day are now in excess of 85,000, rapidly heading to a point where we'll hit 90,000 downloads a day. Um, there's a lot of towns and cities that don't have that many people as a population. Uh, that's, that's a testament, uh, not to what I'm doing, but to what we're all doing, that there really is a better way to do things. And, uh, so it's just encouraging to know that there's that many people that are tuning into, uh, a message that's definitely counter to the message that we're given every day by mainstream media, but yet not doom and gloom, hope. Hope for a better future if we build it for ourselves, not if we wait for someone to do it for us. So I thought I'd share that with you. My life's been kind of a whirlwind this year. We uh, we had gotten into a place in Arkansas that I really felt that I wanted to be, and even when we left, I wasn't sure that you know it was it was really what I wanted to do. I knew it was the right thing to do because it's what my wife wanted. Uh, but now I can see everything indeed does happen for a reason. As I look at the transformation we're making to this new piece of property. It's turning into something amazing. It, it really is. And there's things we can do here that we would have just not been able to do with a piece of property in Arkansas. <clears throat> and having family around, you, 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 you think about how important it is this time of year, especially with my father-in-law getting older, and we don't know how many Christmases he'll have left with us. Um, it, it's awesome that we're here. 
We have plans now for, for food forests to go in in the spring. The, the groundwork has been done with contour beds and swales and all types of things. We ran three workshops here. Um, we had, you know, members of the audience come to our homestead and stay here. Some of them spent the night. Some of them got hotels. But, you know, we had an average of 30 people three times. It's 90 people. There were some repeats, but, uh, you know, there was people that came to multiple uh, events, but there was a lot of new people at each event too. So, We got to meet a lot of members of the audience on a much more intimate level than we ever do at like workshops and, and things like that. And in that, we realized how perfect the place. There were several places we found that for one reason or another, we just couldn't make work. And the property itself would have been easier to work with, and we could have done things that we can't do here, uh, like put in ponds and, and things like that. But um, when it came down to being able to spread the message of preparedness and self-sufficiency and homesteading and permaculture by conducting workshops, the, the property that we have here is in many ways perfect for it because just the outbuildings alone, which we could have never afforded to put in um, in any reasonable time frame, are, are so essential to what we're doing. Everything indeed happens for a reason. And it's it's good to feel that we're on the right path because I think when you feel like things are falling into place and you're, you're you're being lucky, all it is is you're walking on the path that you're supposed to be walking on. You know, and indeed with the way things have fallen together over the last almost six years now since we started this, I think that in 2008 when I first got into my car and recorded 15 minutes of not very good podcasting, um, it was the first step on on the right path, the path that I'd been looking for. Uh, most of my life, allowing me to get into a position where I could really do the things I need to do as, as a as head of my family, uh, where I could provide a, a living for us, uh, something I'd always been very good at, but provide a living for us that, that brought along not just the financial aspects, but the aspects of, of health and, and togetherness uh, that were largely lacking before before I took that step. And truly let me do the one thing that I've always loved and really never understood until I, I found this, how to do it in a way that would work for me, and that is to teach. Um, I don't try to teach people against their will. <laughs> I don't try to teach people what they don't want to learn. I just teach and let the people that want to learn from what teaching I'm doing show up and, and take what they want and leave the rest behind. And that doesn't work inside an institution. That doesn't work... Uh, as a school teacher, you know, making a, a mid-level salary and, 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 you know, and what have you. And it, it doesn't work in, in really any way other than podcasting. Not that I know of. And I think that if I would have been ready to do this at 25, and I, I was not, but had I been, it wouldn't have mattered because I didn't have the, the, the technology in place. I didn't have the opportunity. I didn't have the platform available to do what I do now. I really didn't. It's, it's this, this time is exactly when I needed to be here. If I would have been born a hundred years ago, I might have enjoyed certain things a lot more than I do today, but I would have never been able to walk this path. And I challenge you guys as we head into the new year to think about the unique opportunities of the time that we live in and how they might help you walk your path more consistent with the path that's there for you to find. 
Because we have a tendency in, in the prepper world and the survivalist world to look at all the negatives going around us, and it's true that there are plenty of them. But in any time in history, I could have shown you things that were quite negative to look you know, both at and in the future towards. As we go through our history segments, you've noticed there's been disaster after disaster after disaster throughout the world. It's a human constant that as long as we care about life and liberty, um, we're going to be concerned with preserving both, and we're going to be concerned when we see either one being infringed upon or eliminated. And that there's a constant ebb and flow of those things throughout history. So that's always going to be with us. But what's also always with us is the spirit of optimism and innovation and understanding that hard work really has virtue and value and that no matter what happens, it is we who control our own destiny far more than those around us. There are always options. We always have tools. We always have ways to overcome things. And it's our choice to do so. And this, this time in history gives us more ways to do that than any other time in human history. There's never been a time in history where liberty and freedom and individual sovereignty have been both more threatened and more empowered at the same time. And unlike the old movies from the 50s, the good guy don't always win. But I believe that those who fight for right, those who fight for freedom, always have an advantage on those that fight to oppress. Because I believe in the end, those who crave and seek liberty want it more. And that's often the difference in a fight. But fighting, that's not what this time of year is about. Celebration, family, togetherness, and a pause. I'm about to begin another tradition. One that for me predates being on the right path. That predates having family around me and friends around me that I really cared about. But one that just happened, as it often does, and even then I was probably on the right path because it's what led to here. It may not have been the path I was supposed to spend most of my life on, but it was the path that led to that path. It was the blue-blazed path leading to the white-blazed path, if you know what that means. And as I found that path, and as I walked along it, and I found my, my wife and, and my son and, and everything, there was this industry that I was in that I stayed in, by and large, right up until the very end when I had my own company, uh, telecommunications, one way or another. It was in the installation, the consulting, the sale thereof. And in that industry, it's very common that companies have very little work between December 25th, actually December 24th, and the first of the year. Uh, there might be some cutover work in those for those who really want to do it, but in the end, customers are shutting down, and customers don't want a problem. When you're messing with communications, you can create problems, and they just don't want any problems during this time that they're trying to let people take vacation and be off and what have you. So that industry pretty much just shuts down. And, you know, when I was a contractor, you were shut down and given, you know, vacation without pay whether you wanted it or not. That's just what it was. It was like a temporary layoff. Um, and then as I got into better positions, you know, you could take your vacation pay or some, some companies actually paid us through that or gave you the option to do one or the other. But one way or another, this time of year, I was done. And in the years that I traveled, which were many, I never traveled. And I didn't care what was going on. There was no way you could have blown me out of uh, my house between Christmas and New Year's. This is a tradition for me. 
And I know not everybody that listens to this show can can make that tradition your own. There's there's have-tos in life. There's I have to work. I have to do what they tell me to do. If I don't do it, I won't be able to provide for my family, and there won't be much of a Christmas next year, let alone this year. But I would just say that in every way that you can, try to take the next few days, and if you can, all the way until the next year, and make it about yourself, your family, and your friends, and those you care about, and do as little as possible in regards to work and as much as possible in regards to building your own spirit, the spirits of your family, and enjoying this time of year, regardless of your religious faith. And I'd like to say a little bit about that at the end. There's this problem that America has today that needs to go away. It's a problem where people are upset because somebody says Merry Christmas, And it's a problem where some people are upset because other people say happy holidays. You know, in the 1970s, when I was a kid, if someone said happy holidays to you, or for that matter, happy Hanukkah, nobody batted an eyelash. Nobody got upset. But of course, nobody was getting upset over Merry Christmas either. I don't care what side you fall in on that debate. When somebody says happy or merry anything to you, if you don't know what else to say, say thank you. Never feel anything but grateful when someone wishes you happiness and joy, regardless of the season in which it's wished or from the viewpoint from which it comes. It's nonsense that we get upset over any of these things. And if you're worried that some store employee says happy holidays to you because their boss said that's what they have to say, respond with Merry Christmas. Not with anger or resentment, but with the same sentiment that happy holidays was passed on to you. And I'll tell you why I say happy holidays. It has nothing to do with my religious beliefs or lack thereof. It has to do with, for me, this season began on Thanksgiving. And it runs through the new year. It's a series of holidays that many traditions and faiths share this same time of year as being something special. And when I say happy holidays to you, Merry Christmas is in there. But so is Happy New Year. Especially Christmas and New Year. Because they coincide so close to each other. Just five days separating them. Let whatever animosity toward that there is go. There's no place in your heart for Merry Christmas and anger to coexist at the same place and the same point in time. And if you're not of a religious faith, be joyful anyway when somebody wishes you Merry Christmas and understand the beauty and joy. Myself, this is not the day for me that it is for many, many Christians. I am not a Christian. I am a deist. I believe in God. And that's about the sum total of the explanation of my faith that anybody needs to get. But at the end of today's show, I'm going to pay, play for you a song that I played every year by a lady named Martina McBride. Or sung by her, it's not her song, called O Night Divine. This is religious as it gets. And it moves me every time I hear it for the pure beauty that it is. It may move you for that reason. And it may also move you because the words have a deeper meaning to you. It doesn't mean we both can't share in something beautiful and wonderful. 
and understand that it is, if we are to be who we say we are, those who love liberty, then it must be liberty for all, not liberty for those whom we agree with. Again, liberty for all, not just liberty for those whom we agree with. And on that note, I'd like to send you off from 2013. I'll speak to you again in 2014. I wish you the best and most wonderful holiday time for you and your family. Please enjoy the original story of Christmas as it came to be in America, as the holiday that you know came to be, because it wasn't always what it is today. And at the end, whatever you're doing, stop and listen to one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard and let it put you in the right frame of mind for the holiday spirit the time that we're about to have and the time that you're about to have to spend with those you love. Today we're going to do a very different type of show than what we normally do. If you were here when I did a survivalist view of Thanksgiving, this is going to be a lot like that show. This show isn't going to be how to store things, how to get rid of debt, how to invest in things, how to protect your money or about the political or economic threats that are out there or flu pandemics. This is Christmas. This is a special time of year. And regardless of your religious affiliation, if you're an American, then Christmas probably means something to you, even if you don't celebrate the traditional Christian uh, tradition of Christmas, or if that's maybe a lesser part of what you celebrate. Christmas in America has become an institution that brings families together. Many times it brings members of families together that don't even really speak or see each other much during other times of the year. And with that comes a certain level of healing. And as you're going to hear today, there's actually quite a bit of healing that's been done in the United States uh, as our country developed uh, from the holiday of Christmas. Now, I think one of the things that most people probably don't get, and if you heard the Thanksgiving show, it's kind of in a very similar fashion. People tend to believe that there's always been a Christmas in America. It's just as it is, is American as apple pie and, and mom and baseball and, and everything else, and that you know the pilgrims probably came over here and had Thanksgiving and. Uh, you know, sort of like we do. Maybe they did a little, instead of shopping, they did a little gathering for some uh, Christmas gifts in the forest and then celebrated Christmas uh, just a, you know, a few weeks after Thanksgiving the way we do right here today. Well, the reality is that at one time, believe it or not, Christmas was banned. It was banned as being a holiday of decadence. And it started in the 17th century when a, a, a big wave of religious reformers actually took over uh, England, and they banned Christmas in England. And it wasn't until Charles II uh, came into power that he brought Christmas back uh, with a stroke of his finger or his pen as the king of England. But the Puritans that came to America, right, they, they, they landed in Plymouth, were even more puritanical than these people that had gotten this ban of Christmas done in, in England. And as crazy as this sounds today, there was a lot of support for this type of thing. 
So when they came to America, of course they didn't celebrate Christmas. Now, the people that were down at the Jamestown colony, not much further into the future, they actually did kind of celebrate Christmas. So uh, at the time that we were first establishing colonies in North America, uh, from England and from, from, from Holland and, and from some of the other countries, there were spots where Christmas was, was, was celebrated and there were spots where it wasn't. Eventually, we got to that thing called the American Revolution, where we threw the English out, and we disassociated ourselves from the crown, and we became the United States. Actually, these United States, as it was referred to at the time, our first republic of 13 colonies that became 13 states. When that happened, as you might imagine, Americans decided that there would be no Christmas, right? Not really like, okay, let's ban Christmas again. It was just that that's an English thing. It's an English holiday. We don't do English anymore, you know. Uh, we're now our own country. But, you know, that didn't last. I guess Christmas is just too much into the hearts of men and women. And it means too much as a celebration, either be it religious or a celebration of family. So what began to happen is... Christmas kind of began making a comeback in the early 1800s. But the holiday celebration of the 1800s of Christmas isn't something you would recognize today. It was very rowdy, very boisterous. It was something that uh, it, it was probably a lot more like a New Year's Eve celebration than what we think of as a Christmas celebration. So it wasn't everybody peaceful around the table enjoying a Christmas dinner. It was people out in the streets drinking and getting drunk and carrying on and getting rowdy and carousing and, and doing all that type of stuff. Well, right about that time, there came on the scene an author that many people have never heard of. And his name was Washington Irving. And he looked at the situation and what was going on. And the reason it was like this rowdy carnival holiday and all this uh, tension was going on, and a lot of you know people ended up in jail during this thing, was because, you know, again, we tend to have short memories in the United States. But in the 1820s, we had fought a revolution. We had a few years of true independence. We had to fight a, basically the War of 1812 up into 1814, was a second revolutionary war. The country was still an infant. And in the 1820s, we had gangs, street gangs and thugs and mafia types. We had a big division between the classes, the wealthy and the poor. We had unemployment. We had rising crime rates. Sound familiar? That was going on then, too. And Washington Irving looked at this and said, this holiday could be something that brings people together instead of something that puts people apart. Now, he was a best-selling author at the time, so if he wrote a book, people would read it. And he wrote a book called The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon Gent, which was a series of stories about the celebration of Christmas uh, in an English manor house. And it talked all about these ancient traditions, family meal, hanging stockings, all kinds of things, many of the things that we do today, is these ancient traditions that had been handed down for years and years and years. Here's the funny thing. 
Mr. Washington Irving had never probably seen any type of celebration like that. Much of what he described had actually never really been anybody's tradition. This one author actually created a huge portion of the tradition of Christmas that we celebrate today. Because when people read it and it said, you know, this is, this is what Christmas was about. When people are in a time of peril, a time of strife, a time of struggle, what do they do? They like to go back to the safe, peaceful traditions. If you think about it, one of the best watched shows the first month after 9-11 were reruns of shows like I Love Lucy and The Honeymooners. People waxed nostalgia. They went back. They wanted a simpler, more peaceful time. And into this same type of fray, the same type of you know, struggle of a new nation trying to find itself, deeply divided between north and south. You know, This is way before the Civil War, but those divisions were in place already. And Mr. Irving looked at this as an opportunity to bring something special to America. And in fact, before the Civil War, the North and South were divided on more than things like slavery. They were divided on things like Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you remember the Thanksgiving show, I told you that the South celebrated Christmas and the North celebrated Thanksgiving. And the South looked at, at, at Thanksgiving as some damn Yankee holiday. It didn't make sense to them. They just didn't celebrate Thanksgiving. And the North also looked out at the South with this Christmas thing and said, you know, what's the deal with this? I mean, if you, you know, the, some of the first states that actually officially recognized Christmas as a legal holiday were Alabama, Louisiana, and Arkansas. All right? And this was in the period of time like 1836, 1838, that period of time. So by the time the Civil War came around, and even immediately after the Civil War, of course, we looked at, you know, this holiday while wounds were healing, while people had just, you know, killed brother against brother, and said, well, that's a southern thing or that's a northern thing. But those two holidays, quite simultaneously, began to be spread as the nation healed itself and rebuilt itself and brought itself back together. And young men and young women that would go to college in the north began to bring the tradition of Thanksgiving to the south. And the south began to learn and embrace the tradition of Thanksgiving. And at the same time, the opposite effect was happening, and the tradition of Christmas was being spread more into the north. And in time, the churches took up the mantra of, yeah, we should celebrate Christmas. It's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're celebrating. Now, we can debate on whether or not that you know, Christ was actually born on December 25th, and the answer is he probably wasn't. If you read the Gospels and... Uh, time of a census, and it's actually quite cold in that region in December, if they were going to be doing a census where Joseph was taking Mary to the land of his birth for the census, they would have done it in the spring. So it's probably not when Christ was born, but it doesn't matter. That's when we've chosen to celebrate it if we're of that particular type of faith, because no one really knows the day of the birth. So that's when it was. So churches got on board with it. Sunday schools started teaching it. And into this came one of our most beloved creations, Santa Claus. Santa Claus brought a magic to Christmas that children could expect. And you know, 
call me crazy, but I believe in Santa Claus, and I think most Americans do, in a way. Santa Claus brought a spirit that was encouraging the giving of gifts, a spirit of anticipation. And again, we have to look at what was going on with the whole St. Nicholas, Santa Claus type situation. Again, you have to put yourself into the position of these people. The Civil War had just ended. People were still hungry. Fields had been burned during the war. It was a time not of plenty, but of struggle for both the North and the South. The entire industry of slavery had been dissolved. And of course that was the right thing to do, but it did not go without its consequences. You had an agricultural uh, community devastated in the South because the workers weren't there to do the work in, in the same way that they were before. And you had an entire group of people who had been freed into a life where they weren't really, you know, a lot of opportunities. So, in the cold darkness of winter, and we were still coming out of the grips, folks, of the little ice age here. It was a much colder, darker, wintry time when people should be holding on to things, when people should be cherishing the little that they had, what came to America was a spirit of giving. Giving to the children first, and then it spread to giving to your fellow man. And as the holidays of Christmas and Thanksgiving infiltrated our nation, it healed. And we became more of a singular nation because of the two of them. And they really cannot be separated in that role. We live in a politically collect world today where we say the holidays. We say the holidays, we mean Kwanzaa, Ramadan, you know, uh, Hanukkah, and no disrespect to those faiths or those traditions. But that's not what the holidays used to mean. The holidays was an all-encompassing time at one time in America. It meant America's holidays. And it was Thanksgiving, and the period between Thanksgiving and Christmas, where we'd have a huge feast, and then we would prepare for six weeks for a joyous celebration and a spirit of giving at Christmas time. And those two were the holidays. And what does this teach us today as modern survivalists? It teaches us that the things that we fear, the things that we face, the hard times, the hard economies, the riots, the gangs, the class warfare, is absolutely nothing new. And that these holidays brought us through a time when they were actually far worse. And that today we need to view them as people with a modern survivalist philosophy. It's something that can continue to do the same thing. You know, they say there's a time to beat your plowshares into swords and a time to beat your swords into plowshares. Meaning that there is a time for war and there is a time for peace. Well, I believe that every year there comes a few times that are times for peace. If, if your family is struggling... It's still a time to stop, pause, and just be. If you are concerned about some of the things that are happening in the world, it's a time to just let it.
go and just be and just share. And if you do that, you'll realize that no matter what life challenges come your way, there are a few things that are really important. And they're probably the people around you, near you, or even geographically separated from you now, but they're close to you in blood and in family. And you'll realize that those things are far more important than what the stock market does today. I'm not going to look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average today. I could give a rip where it goes today. I don't really care. I suggest that you don't bother looking at it either. I won't be on Google Finance today seeing what's going on around the economic world. I won't be listening to any type of alarmist radio. won't be tuning in to hear anybody tell me how bad the government is. I know how bad our government is. I don't need to worry about it today, and neither do you. What we need to do today is we need to look back across the over 200 years of history when this nation was formed by a group of farmers and hunters and merchants that collectively came together and created the greatest experiment ever done in the world of democracy and created the most free republic ever known under the sun. And even though we've strayed from that initial wisdom, it is still with us. And we connect back to those very first Americans who fought not one war for their independence, but two, and began to collectively heal and bring their nation together and become one people under the holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And even a polarized new nation, each taking its own holiday, eventually blended the two together to create what is honestly one of the most magical times of year. Time of year when the stingiest among us realize it's not good to be a Scrooge. And we go out and we give of ourselves. That's what Christmas is for the modern survivalists. There's only one bit of serious note that I'd like to request from you today. If you haven't done anything for our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and marines that are overseas, please consider doing something today. It won't get to them. It won't get to them by Christmas. They won't care. They'll simply know that you did. And uh, I think it would be a really good thing, a really good spirit of giving, because, you know what, it's those guys that make us able to sit here and complain about the problems that we have with our government. It's those guys that make all of this possible. It's those guys that let a man like me have the freedom to speak my mind on a daily basis to those of you who wish to listen listen to me. Again, I really want to point out, though, that what this time of year should be about for everybody is a simple pause. Yesterday I talked to you about setting goals. If you started doing that, great. Put the book away. It'll be there on December 26th. From the time you hear this podcast today until December 25th ends and you go to sleep with your family, just be with them. Just be who you are. Just be there for them. Put the priority there. Take time, pause, and realize that's a big part of living the life you want if times get tough.
or even if they don't. This has been Jack Spierka with a special Christmas edition of the Survival Podcast. In sin and error hiding till he appeared and the soul fell its word. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder a new and glorious moon Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voice Oh, night divine was born all night divine all night all night divine oh holy night the stars are bright Shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, hiding till He appeared and the soul fell. Oh